stomach is really bothering me. So just in case I need to settle my stomach again, I'll drink some more Coke. Someone told me that was a good idea. So in case you're, some of you are looking at me puzzled. So. <laughs> uh, let's pray together. Thanks, God, again for bringing us here. Just as Cody prayed, Lord, we, we welcome you to this place, Lord. And we together we are um, glad to be in your presence, Lord. Um, we're excited to hear from you this morning, God. And we have set aside this time to listen, God, and to open up our lives to you. God, we ask you to be our teacher. Uh, Holy Spirit, we, we do invite you to, to really speak to us, Lord, to bring things to our mind that we need to work on, things that you challenge us with. So we, we just give you the freedom uh, to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are... Uh, I wanted to, before I jump into my message, I actually wanted to say a few more things about our growth groups because they're such an important part of what we do as a church. Um, each growth group meeting is going to be about 90 minutes long, okay? So they, they meet on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights, so you can pick the night. But each of the group meetings are 90 minutes long. They won't be any longer than that because we really want you to keep coming back to your group. We want you to keep returning. So we're not going to the groups aren't going to be holding you for 3 or 4 hours and then the leader's going to lock the you know, he's not going to lock the door and it'll be 90 minutes so you know what to expect. Um, but they should be a great place to um, to make some new friends, to grow personally like you heard, to serve the community. That's something else that the groups will be doing this this round. It's really exciting. If you ever just looking, I know everybody um, at times, you know, there's opportunities to serve. We want to do that together um, as a church. So the groups will have an opportunity to serve the community. We're going to um, offer some projects that we're going to pitch in on together to, to serve just people in, here in Riverside, some organizations that could use our help. Also, we want the groups to be a place where you can have fun together. And so one of the, one of the things you'll do for one of the weeks is to actually um, have fun and not be talking about the, the group um, book, but actually enjoying each other. And um, as Scott said, sign-ups are going on right now. Um, each group meeting um, will have a launch meeting the very first week. And at the launch meeting, again, the first week, you're going to have the opportunity to meet the people in your group so you get to feel out the group before you commit to the group. Um, just get to meet the different individuals that have signed up as well. You can explore what growth groups are all about because this is a different kind of group. And so the leader is going to walk through what is what the whole... Um, semester is going to look like. You'll receive information about that in the very first meeting. Also, you'll look at the commitment that is involved in joining the group. There's a, there's a commitment that we'll be asking in the, in the group. And so the leader will walk you through that. Um, and then you'll have a chance to think through if you want to sign, sign up for the group officially and you can join that first meeting. And so, um, so all of that information kind of sets as a backdrop for today's message. So let's dive in. We're going to look at how to avoid a wipeout in life there are real benefits. We've been looking at this series, Summer Road Trip, kind of this road trip surfing theme. There are real benefits in deciding to band together or to invest your life with other people and form relationships within a church setting. Something like a church community is really, really critical for our own personal spiritual growth. And um, I'd like to look at a video clip from the movie um, Step Into Liquid. It is a big wave surfing movie, and so if you've got any big wave surfing fans just like to watch this stuff, um, this, this video demonstrates the value of really riding together, of doing life together and, and, and not trying to do life on your own. It, it, it illustrates this as it relates to surfing, and so let's look at this and then we're going to jump off from there.
Surfing Piahi without the ski would be near suicide. One of the scariest things about Piahi isn't actually riding it to me, it's watching my friends ride it. You're on the shoulder driving the ski, look at them going, come on, faster, little, come on. You know, and you're like, you're worried for them because if they eat it, not only are they going to go through a, a, you know, a heavy experience, but now I got to go in in front of the next wave and try and get them out of it. ever seen a dog grab a rag doll and shake it in its teeth where all the limbs are just you know going every which way and that's you feel like any more pressure in your arm could just get ripped right off your body the engine faltered for just an instant but that's all it takes we're on it because we don't want obviously anybody to be harmed and Yesterday we lost a ski in the process of trying to rescue somebody and we figure, you know, you can buy more skis but you can't buy people, so. I came out of the barrel, I hit what they call like a phantom chop. My knees and everything kind of just buckled. That's when I said, just, you know, relax, take it on the head try to get pushed in, get a little bit farther in, wait for the rescue. At that point, I basically experienced the joy of watching Laird and a couple of my other friends, you know, catch probably some of the better waves than I've ever seen. began simply as a way to escape the crowds has redefined the limits of big wave surfing. But for Laird and Dave... Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that is not normal. That is, that's insane right there because we don't get waves like that here in California. We get, you know, four to six foot waves, maybe a little bigger on a bigger day. I mean, you might hear about a big storm that comes through and Newport gets like 15 to 20 foot swells, but... These waves that these guys surf are like 50 feet. I mean, you see these guys peel down these things, and you're just like, man, you are crazy. Well, they realize this is just, it's a dangerous sport, so what do they do? They have a team. They have people that work with them. They don't surf in those conditions alone because there's really no way to, when you wipe out, to just paddle out of something like that if you've got set after set of 50-foot wall, wall. You know, that's just insane. And so there, there really are times in life where we 
we just cannot, there's things that come up that are very, very difficult in life that we should not try to do on our own. There are seasons of our life. There are, there are choices that we have to make. And life is just too valuable and can be very painful if we just jump into things where we're doing our own thing. And so, um, in fact, God designed the church for this. And follow along on, on our outline. We're going to be looking at a passage in Ephesians chapter 4 really looks at this. God designed the church to help us avoid a spiritual wipeout. He designed the church. He's knitted the church and fashioned the church together to help us avoid having a wreck in our lives, to, to help us avoid wiping out. And there is a maturing process that occurs as we connect within the church and then begin to invest ourselves in church life. There's something that happens in our own growth as we invest ourselves. And so we're going to jump in at Mid, mid-chapter at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. You can follow along in your Bibles or on the screen. It's also in the outline. But look at what it says in Ephesians 4, 14. And I'm going to walk through this and explain it as we go. It says, Then we will no longer be infants. Okay? He, he uses this term infants. The church, he's, this, the context of this is, if you'll jump into church life, then we will no longer be infants. The church grows us up and our faith, and our lives, we will not remain infantile. We won't remain immature if we decide to invest and connect. And it goes on and says, we won't be tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there. Um, This describes a gullible person. It's talking about how children are tricked. Children are gullible, and they're easily deceived. And so there's a maturing process that needs to happen in all of our lives. That environment where that can happen is the church. Then he says, you know, we're not blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Again, there's some things that pop up in our lives that we need to guard ourselves against. And the church is, is, is available to us. It's an environment that's available so that we will not be deceived. You look at these words, it says, by every wind of teaching and by the cunning. The word cunning there, it's a word that's used of throwing dice of throwing dice and in, in dice throwing in this in the passage the context there were times when the dice would be loaded in order so that the person throwing the dice you know was uh, they were up against the odds really because they were going to lose they were loaded in a way it was either for their favor or against them depending on who was in charge of the game and so there was this trickery going on and what he's saying in the scripture here is there are all there's all sorts of deception the next phrase talks about the cunning. It has to do with clever manipulation of error that looks true. So in, even within the church or within just our thinking and our perspective, there's all sorts of um, crafty individuals that we're going to encounter. And the Scripture says um, the church is there to help us grow up so that we will not be deceived. Because if we're deceived in life, if we begin to think about, or if we begin to wrap our, our lives and our minds around the wrong perspective, then what happens is the outcome of our life is pain. If we begin to build our lives on a faulty foundation that we buy into from someone else, maybe it's the culture, maybe it's just um, the wrong group of friends, but if we buy into the wrong things and we're deceived, then the outcome of our life is a wipeout. So Paul is saying we need the church to help people grow up. God uses the church. He uses leaders. He uses relationships. 
He even uses our own service and our own personal investment of our time and our resources to protect us from major shipwrecks in life. Uh, my three kids, they're all young. I have three little kids, two boys and a girl. Uh, but I can only imagine what would happen if I left for a week and I left my six-year-old in charge. You know what I mean? It might be funny for a few days, but it would be really, really bad. Probably not just painful, but potentially deadly because these are children that they're, they're, they're infants still. You know what I mean? There's some infants in the mix. And so even though my son, he may be six, and he's not going to be able to take care of my baby daughter. And the Scripture is saying, look, we all start out spiritually as babes. We, when we come to Christ, if you committed your life to Christ, you enter into this relationship as a baby. And you need to grow up. And if you don't grow up and you remain immature, you will experience a tremendous amount of pain. And you'll be very, very uh, vulnerable for deception. And so, this is critical to catch. This type of a um, gathering that we're having, it's not just something fun so we feel great after we leave, but it's something that is like a lifesaver for us. It can be something that actually rescues us in our thinking from a direction that it might be going in that is deadly. But in church, we all come to the same point spiritually. We need to grow up. All of us, there's a, there's a push in the Scriptures to grow. And so, that's why these growth groups are so critical for us. We believe these things are, are really going to help our church members. All of us take steps forward in our spiritual growth. Um, this section of, of Ephesians chapter 4, what it does is it really fleshes out the role of the church. And so we're going to look at the, the verses preceding this and then after this. And it, it answers the question, what can we do to really avoid a spiritual wipeout? And the first thing is this. It's get prepared to minister. The church helps us get prepared to minister. Ephesians 4, 11-13. It starts off and it says this. It says, It was He. If you wanted to, on the outline, you can circle the word He and above it you can write Jesus. Because it's talking about Jesus there. It's saying, It was Jesus who gave some to be apostles. And before I really look at all that He gave, it's talking about how Jesus Himself gave gifts to the church. He distributed gifts to the church. And the verses aren't up here, but in verse 7, you get, you get this. It says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And then it talks about in verses 8 through 10, I'm not going to go into this, these verses in verse 8 through 10, but it talks about how Jesus, he earned or he, he claimed his victory over sin and over death, and that gave him the right to rule his church and to distribute gifts throughout the church. So when Jesus died on the cross and, and claimed victory over sin, over Satan, over death, all of that, so the Scripture says He, he declared His victory in, in Ephesians 4, 8-10. through 10, talks about He declared His victory both in a physical realm and a spiritual realm. And it said eventually He ascended to be with the Father. But He ascended, as He ascended, He gave gifts to, to people. The Holy Spirit has gifted each Christian in a way to serve the church. And so every single person here has a spiritual gift. If you've committed your life to Christ, you have a gift that God has given you to benefit His church and to carry out ministry for Him. And verses 8-10, through 10, it talks about He's the gift giver and He's got the right to hand out gifts 
in the church. And then it goes on. I wanted to give you a little bit of that context because um, if you go back later and read verses 8 through 10, I didn't want you to be totally confused about it. But it says this, He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. These are all leaders of the church who are gifted to lead. And in our church, um, part of the staff's job and part of the group leader's job and the ministry team leader's job is to set the table. We're, we're trying to set the table so that the church, so that all of you can have a feast or a banquet in ministry. We want you to just, we want to equip and, and set the table so you can just enjoy ministry and be equipped and prepared to do ministry. That's the idea of, of spiritual leadership. It's not our job to be the ones carrying out all the ministry. We're the equippers so that the whole church is able to be doing ministry, be able to serve, to carry out God's mission. But leaders are, it goes on, he says, to prepare God's people. This is what all those people do. They're to prepare God's people for works of service. Service actually means ministry. It's translated ministry. Every follower of Christ is a minister. It's not just the guy who's up here speaking, but every person that's decided to follow Christ, you have been assigned a role of minister. God desires that you carry out ministry in your life. And then it goes on and says, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. That's the goal right there. Circle mature, if you would, in your outline, because that's the goal for, God. That's the goal for all of our lives. God wants us to continue to mature in our faith, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There are a lot of things that our staff and our overall leadership provide to help people grow and to minister more effectively. Um, our groups fit into this, certainly. Um, but spiritual growth comes in spurts. You grow in spurts. It's incremental. Think of it like your, your adolescence time when you were growing. You had growth spurts. Everybody had growth spurts, probably. Some had it more than others. I didn't get a huge growth spurt, but you know, some people had a big growth spurt. And I remember my friends, they'd shoot up in, in, in the high school years, and, and they were my height, like entering high school, and then a foot taller than me by the time, we, you know, by the time one year would end. And you'd have these, these growth spurts. That's the way our spiritual life works as well. We have dry times. And then we have a growth spurt. We have dry times and we have growth spurt. It's dry and we grow. It's dry and then we grow. And, and that's the way, and you kind of heard that in the way Scott was describing and what Jen and Gavin were talking about. There's just times when we need a nudge to move along. We need these spurts in our life. And we, we think that these growth groups will really help provide a, a kind of a, a nudge in these areas. But when we hit dangerous dry times, if we're not growing... Um, we, we run the risk of getting ourselves in positions and situations where we're going to wreck in life. And so sometimes we back off of growth and we just drift off and do our own thing. And we, we launch out in places, we launch into thinking, we buy into wrong perspective, and we end up getting out of position in life. We end up getting our perspective missed. And so I want to show you another clip illustrating this idea from a, a video called North Shore. And as the guys are prepping it, um, you know, there's a guy, he's going he's gonna to paddle into a wave that he's not prepared to ride. And he's in an environment where he is, he's, um, he's out of place and he doesn't realize it because he's all alone. So take a look. Woo! Ha. All right, that was a hot wave. 
That wasn't a wave, that was a ripple. <laughs> Seen bigger waves in a toilet. Looks like a deck coming in, I reckon. Hey, oh, do we, mate? Let's get me out of here. Hey, where are you guys going? Hey, Holly. Hi. Holly to you, too. He's so Holly, he doesn't even know he's Holly. Beat it, Holly, buddy. This is our wave. Oh, yeah? But I don't see your name on him. thinks he's having a good time, thinks he's prepared to handle this wave, and he finds himself out of position, one, and then he's out of place. He, he just moves right in the lineup, and, and out come the locals. He doesn't know what he's doing. But the, in essence, there are just times in life where we are preparing ourselves to fail if we just launch out, do our own things by ourselves. Because we really need perspective. We need encouragement. We need people to say, it would have been nice if the Aussies, the guys that paddled in, when they were, you know, they knew the locals and they knew that it was dangerous for them to be out there. It would have been nice if they had said, you better get him because you're going to get run over or you're going to get hurt out here. But there he is by himself. And in life, we do this. Sometimes we just wander off. We pull out sometimes from church life or we just distance ourselves from people and, and it just gets very dangerous. Um, sometimes we're given opportunities to grow and we decide to just stay on the beach. There's other people out there having a good time, growing, you know, we, we decide to just be spectators. We watch from a distance and we observe while others are diving in and they're growing and we're just kind of spectating. Um, that's one option for us. Another time, sometimes when we're given opportunities to grow, we wait until our schedule really loosens up. And um, the problem is our spiritual growth we can't put on the back burner. We put the spirit, our spiritual growth on the back burner um, and other things become more important uh, than the immaturing. We, we actually... Our, our maturing process stops. Look at 1 Timothy 4.8. It says, for physical training... Now look at the way that we value physical training and think about our own world. For physical training, like working out or just training in general, is of some value, he says. He's giving advice to Timothy. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Paul's saying, hey, look, prioritize your spiritual growth. Prioritize... Your, your desire to grow more godly because this has so much value in the life right here and now, not to mention eternity. So, so many times we get so wrapped up and we crowd our schedule with all sorts of things, then when opportunities to grow pop up, um, we can't really do them because we're too busy. But God wants us to buy up opportunities for spiritual growth because those will help us pre- be prepared to minister in life. also just helps us avoid a lot of pain. Look at the second thing that God uses to help us avoid a wipeout. It's in Ephesians 4.15. It's listen to the truth spoken. God wants us to listen up. He wants us to keep our ears open when truth is spoken to us about our lives. Ephesians 4.15. It says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, 
we will in all things grow up into Him. You see the goal of maturity again. We're trying to grow up. And it says, grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. Love is the atmosphere in which truth flourishes. This is God's design for His church. To be an environment of truth and love. Where truth is spoken in an atmosphere or an environment of love. And in our church, we have a set of, we have a set of core values. We, uh, we call them the heart attitudes. And I'm going to show you them up on the screen. But these are a practical definition of love and truth. When you see that verse, Ephesians 4.15, these four heart attitudes define what it means to have an environment or an atmosphere of love and truth. The first one, put the goals and interests of others above my own. It's found in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. But it's just putting others first in our life. Serving, looking to the interests and needs of other people and recognizing I don't have to go first. I can serve. <clears throat> what that is, is that's love. That's the most practical definition of love. The second hard attitude we have is to live an honest and open life before others. That's truth. That's what it means when the Scripture is talking about truthful, being truthful, being appropriately honest about who we are. We want the outside to match the inside. That's, that's a commitment that our membership makes. The third hard attitude we have is give and receive scriptural correction. This is, this is love and truth. You love someone enough to take the risk and you talk to them about blind spots that may be hurting them. You know, you see a guy that's about to paddle into something in life that is just dangerous. You love them enough to say, I care about you and I want you to know you're, 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 you're about to hurt yourself. And uh, you speak into people's lives. That's the third heart attitude. The fourth heart attitude is clear up relationships. Again, you love someone enough to make things right when things get messed up. All of us in our relationships, they get messed up on a pretty much weekly basis. We even sometimes daily with those closest to us. We, we, we say things that are hurtful. We do things that are hurtful. And it provides an occasion to just clear things up. God would want that for our lives. But we need to listen to the truth spoken. We need to live with this atmosphere of love and truth. And now in order, nowadays, in order to grow personally, we have to make our shift in our hearts and our minds because the truth is hard to spot. And so we need to make a shift and decide, you know, I'm going to look and lock on to God's truth when I hear it. Because everything else around is, is that deceitful, scheming, crafty, trickery, flat. It's just it's going to take us in the wrong direction. But this is what happens. This is what can happen in relationships that you form in church life. The third thing, though, and the last thing is this. What we can do to a spiritual wipeout, this is Ephesians 4.16, is do your part. God wants us to contribute. He wants to invest ourselves personally, both our time and our resources, in what He's doing in the world through the local church. Ephesians 4.16, from Him, the whole body, from Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Just like the rest of the New Testament, this passage assumes that you, if you follow, if you follow Christ, that you are connected to the body of Christ. You're committed to it and you're contributing to the local body. This is an assumption you find in the whole New Testament. It runs throughout the New Testament. This idea of Christians were not just off doing their own things but they were connected at a, at a local level. Uh, we're all connected on a universal level as the body of Christ, but there was a local connection. And this, this is where doing our part really makes a difference. This is where we can invest ourselves and say, yeah, I want to involve myself personally in what it is that they're trying to accomplish as a local church. 
Um, but the whole body, see, all of our growth, as, as I grow, you grow. As you grow, I grow. This, this is the interconnected um, nature of the body of Christ. This is the whole body. We're joined together. We're not separate, but we're joined and we're held together by supporting ligaments. We're growing and we're building itself up. We grow together or we, um, whatever the opposite of grow together is. You know, if we decide, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to grow, then together it slows us down. Our growth is accelerated, though, as we serve together. And so we want to encourage you to jump in, to serve, to invest yourselves personally. And disconnected body parts don't do well. Think about the, the metaphor of the body of Christ. Disconnected body parts don't do well. If I cut off my finger, laid it on the ground, after a day, it ain't going to look good, you know. Disconnected body parts, they just don't thrive. They need to be connected to the whole. But if you connect yourself, um, you keep yourself from fossilizing, you keep yourself from growing or from staying immature, which is where we all really start out. And so this is important to understand. Here's some next steps you may want to consider as we as we wrap up this message. The first is this. As Scott said, just encouraging you to sign up and start praying for your growth group. If you've already signed up, I'd encourage you to start praying. God, would you help me to get ready to grow? Would you help me to prepare myself for the things you might highlight in my life that you want me to um, change or evaluate? Secondly, rearrange my schedule. Maybe that's a step you need to take. Maybe it's too busy right now. There's still a few weeks till we start these things up. And so maybe you need to shift some things in order to participate in, in a growth group. The third thing, application of um, Ephesians 4.15, ask a friend how, how I receive feedback and correction. Just be open to talking to someone, saying, you know, talk to a friend, talk to a neighbor, talk to um, someone who can say, when you go up to them and just say, hey, when, I, when you talk to me about my life, how do I respond to that? Am I easy to talk to? Am I, am I kind of a bear? Am I really grouchy when you point things out in my life? Do you rip my head off? I mean, or do I rip your head off? Or well, Give me kind of some feedback on how I receive truth. That, that's critical. Let, let's pray as the band comes forward. Father, we love you. Once again, God, we just we, we count it a privilege, Lord, to come. Um, Lord, we're all in process. Some of us, Lord, um, we're still chewing on it. We're still chewing on what this really means to commit our lives to you. Others here have already done that, Lord. Um, some are just... You know, they're just committed to growth. And, and so, Lord, I pray for all of us, everyone that is just um, in the process. Lord, we thank you that you take us where we're at. You love us where we're at. Um, but, Lord, you do have a bias towards growth. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to not um, try to grow isolate, through isolation, but help us to just understand the importance of being connected in your body. Lord, we thank you for these things. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. In just a few minutes, we're going to be receiving the offering, and I want to just encourage you to place your connection card in the offering as it comes around the basket. And uh, if you're a guest, we don't want you to feel pressured to give, like, oh man, I've got to give. That really is something that is a responsibility of those who call us their church home. And so um, if you're a regular attender um, of OCC, this is something that we do together. And so, But if you didn't come prepared to give, you can always give from our website and our website, Bruce worked on developing an online service since we're kind of moving in that direction and so as a, as a culture and society. But uh, we thank you for the way that you give. It really does 
it makes a difference. It helps us continue to do what we do as a church as we carry out the ministry God's assigned us to. So Cody's going to lead us in three more songs. And Thanks, Cody.